Welcome to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. In Braves country, we are so excited for you to meet our new proud sponsor, Billy Reed. Now, Billy is an award-winning fashion designer who is redefining global style from his home base in the Shoals in Alabama. He is also a diehard baseball fan who grew up cheering on the Braves, and he offers a line of Atlanta-inspired hats, t-shirts, and accessories that embody the soul of our city. Billy and his team craft luxurious, made-in-the-USA shirts, denim, and more, all with a timeless modern style that will have you wearing them again and again. Experience them for yourself at his two Atlanta shops, one in Buckhead and one at White Provisions, or discover them online at BillyReed.com. That's BillyReed, R-E-I-D.com. Welcome, everybody, to a very special edition of Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast from MLB.com, joined virtually here on Zoom by my partner and co-host, Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. Uh, Greg, we have a, I said a very special episode because we've got, A, we usually just have one guest. Today, we've got two, and we're talking about a topic that uh, is very near and dear to all of our hearts here uh, with the Atlanta Braves. That's We're going to be celebrating uh, HBCU uh, night at the ballpark. Uh, actually, the, when this episode comes out, it, it might be on, that, on the day, September 4th, uh, but the episode will be out around that day, either the day before or on the day. Um, and our, our Adrian Williams, uh, from the Atlanta Braves, who does such a great job, uh, kind of came to us with the idea of, hey, what if we did a, an episode talking about or centered around uh, HBCU night? And he got us connected with uh, Coach Reggie Hollins from Tuskegee University. And then you reached out to uh, Braves Hall of Famer Ralph Gar. And um, we had both of those gentlemen on. And I I was just telling you before um, before I hit the record button for us to do the intro, I, I, we've done, I think you just said this is our 66th episode of Behind the Braves. And so I try not to like play favorites or anything. And it's hard because I've loved, I literally have loved every single show we've done. This one though is going to be up there in in my favorites because I just, hearing these two men talk about the game, their impact on it and uh, just their passion for it. And as it relates to HBCU night, I mean, it's just, I just enjoy both these conversations so much. Yeah, it's it's obviously it's it's a lot of fun getting to talk with someone like Reggie. He's very young, you know. He just really just got through playing college, and now he's coaching at Tuskegee University. And getting to hear his enthusiasm and and how excited he is for what's going on with their program. And then somebody like Ralph, who's a legend, played at Grambling and who's knows everybody in the sport of baseball and the big leagues. He scouts college to hear their perspectives on what's going on and, and kind of what they, what they've gone through and how they see this um, kind of really kind of a revitalization from the standpoint of the Atlanta Braves. We're, 
really reconnecting with HBCUs and seeing how we can come alongside them and help grow the sport. And that's been a big push with Major League Baseball. But the, the Braves are kind of uh, taking the torch and we're running ahead of everybody else and really seeing how we can affect our area in the southeast in our footprint for the change of the sport and and really trying to develop an African American community, really how we can help develop them and and make uh, some more uh, better ball players, ball players that are more interested in baseball. Because we've seen, you know, we've talked about this that we've seen a little bit of a decline uh, of interest, and so we're really wanting to understand why that is. And we're wanting to try to, to make sure that it doesn't continue and to see how we can really step in because our interest is obviously developing the game of baseball for, with everybody. So I loved hearing Ralph and, and Reggie's perspective, and I know everybody's going to enjoy it as well. Yeah, and I, I touch on this a little bit with Coach Hollins, and we've we've had these discussions with on Behind the Braves uh, with Hank Aaron, with Marquise Grissom, with Bob Kendrick, uh, with, with a lot of our guests. Uh, I think today what's got me so fired up about well, after having talked to, to Ralph and Coach, I'm always asking, you know, what can we do a better job of to, to get more African-Americans interested in playing baseball and hopefully elevate the, the percentage of African-Americans in the big leagues? And talking with Coach and Ralph today, I'm like, well, here are two men that are – these are two men on the ground that are doing that work, that are that are trying to get more young African-Americans interested in the game of baseball, playing the game of baseball, drafted into the game of baseball, uh, or at least playing collegiately and getting an education. If, if you're not going to make it pro, at least getting education. And that's what's – that's what's got me so fired up. It's and it's all of it too, right? It's it's the Atlanta Braves Foundation connecting with Tuskegee University and helping them come home and be able to play baseball again on their own campus. And then the the other end of the spectrum, at least age wise and general generationally, I can't say that word. I was generationally. There we go. There yes, we go. Very good. Thank you. It only took three or four tries. Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, a man like Ralph Gar, who's a baseball lifer and is, you know, drafted, played the game in college in the 60s, drafted into the game in the late 60s, and who's still out there scouting and working for the organization and still putting his impact on the game. Um, just all of it together, man, it's just got me really fired up today. And, um, you know, again, I, I try not to play favorites, but I, I hope everybody's listening today, you know, really – Sit back and listen to both of these men talk and soak it all in because it's, uh, it's, it's, this is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a good one. It's a really good one. Yeah. And you and I have both talked about uh, one of our ep- favorite episodes is with Rico Cardi. And, you know, Ralph is tied with Rico because there was, uh, when, when Ralph uh, came up, Rico hurt his knee. And, um, and then when, um, so Ralph stepped into Rico's spot. And then Rico came back. Ralph got sent back down to AAA, and then Ralph and then Rico got traded to the Texas Rangers, and and Ralph came up to stay, and his career kind of took off from there. So those guys are kind of tied, you know, in together a little bit. And and I'm right there with you. Uh, you know, this is a this is a great episode. I really enjoyed. Of course, I love talking Ralph. Anything we ever want need him to do, he's always raising his hand. He's right there, wants to help, and, and just a great. Um, uh, ambassador for the Braves as well as the sport. 
Absolutely. Well, listen, we hope to, uh, I hope to have coach Hollins on again at some point. I, like I say in the interview, I hope we can, uh, once things have, our world has returned to, uh, normal or, or at least some semblance of it, hopefully we can have him out to uh, Truist park and have him on again. And of course, uh, the roadrunner Ralph Gar, I, I could listen to him talk all day. So I hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we definitely get a chance to have him on again soon. Hey, you know, they actually, you know, he was telling the story and he'll tell a little bit about, you asked him about how he came up with that, but um, maybe in the outro, I'll tell you exactly um, a little bit more. I found out about what happened when, when, uh, when they started being able to use the road runner. Okay. Well, that is what they call in the business a tease. So we'll, we'll <laughs> hang on that. And in the meantime, we'll, we'll let you listen to uh, coach Reggie Hollins of Tuskegee and, uh, and Braves Hall of Famer Ralph Gar. So we'll get, we'll get started now with, uh, with coach Hollins. Hey, Coach, uh, appreciate you joining us here on Behind the Braves, and we're very excited about um, this week because we're celebrating HBCUs, uh, which you're part of at, at Tuskegee College, and and um, we have a great relationship with you as well as some other uh, groups like FAMU, uh, Jacksonville State, Marvin Freeman pitched there, FAMU is is we've got uh, a bunch of alumni from there, Marquise Grissom, one of them, and then um, and then also Grambling State, which uh, Ralph Gar uh, played at, and so we we've uh, really made a concerted effort to tr- try to reach out to some of the universities like yourself, uh, like your your uh, program where you play, and see how we can help develop uh, the the relationship, but also baseball in your in your neck of the woods or at your university so this Friday night we're we're celebrating HBCUs but as well as I want to talk about just our relationship with you guys and how we've partnered with you so welcome to the show and tell me a little bit about what's going on there at Tuskegee absolutely well first off thanks Greg uh, for having me uh, on the show man it's an honor and a pleasure uh, to represent the program in the university uh, but a little bit about what's going on with us um Definitely, man, it's an exciting time down here at Tuskegee, Greg. Um, we're we're uh, pushing off a momentum of, of, of uh, seeds that we've sown for the last six years um, in, in developing our program and, and, and kind of getting us on the map and getting guys to engage in what we've been able to do. And, and some of those things have been uh, not only, um, you know, master our, our, our degree, uh, specific concentrations off the field, but we've been getting in some guys that are really productive on the field for us as well. Uh, so to see to see what we could um, really cultivate and just to kind of look back over the years and see how far we've grown and, you know, we've gotten the Braves and the foundation on board with um, our renovation projects that we have, um, that we've launched um, as far as returning home baseball games back to Washington Field and to the campus of Tuskegee University. Uh, we were off for, uh, I think, what, nine years now um, since the COVID hit us. It's been nine now. And um, we were getting ready to return baseball back in uh, 19, but we had to postpone it because of the pandemic to 2020, which we're okay with, uh, but the guys are just eager to get back on the field and show, you know, show off the facilities. Uh, we've we've made major renovations. Uh, we've totally gone under the ground, and um, 
We've done irrigation, drainage work. Um, and this was all a part of um, a student initiative. So that's what makes it even more exciting. So we got our hands dirty this time um, nice. and, and really learned the ins and outs about fields. And, um, you know, so I used some of my architect students, my, my engineering students. Um, I just thought it was best because it embodies what uh, Booker T and our founding fathers of Tuskegee University embody. So, um, but, but yeah, the, the, the guys are just excited to, to really show off what we've learned. Um, and not only the, the, the renovations um, that we put forth, but just to show that we've gotten our hands dirty and, and we actually, um, you know, put in on this project ourselves. Um, because I think that's the unique thing about our program right now. We, everything about this renovation was um, in-house, um, you know, and once uh, the Atlanta Braves Foundation got wind of it, uh, it was just an ex exciting story and, and, and certain uh, members wanted to hear bits and pieces of it. And they just kind of pieced it together that, hey, this is something we need to highlight and, and, and back up and support. Uh, so that's kind of how the, the relationship, uh, you know, came about. And, you know, just casual conversations over baseball, uh, getting to know one another and, and, and trusting each other. Um, you know, both entities, you know, Tuskegee Baseball University and uh, the Atlanta Braves and the foundation just trusting each other to move forward with the partnership. Well, that's it's amazing how when you guys get buy in from your students, how much better it's going to be because you don't hear that a lot. I mean, everybody in this nice field and nice facilities and they just show up and they play. But, man, getting that sweat equity in there is going to make you guys appreciate Absolutely, it. Absolutely, Greg. Absolutely. Well, Coach, I was I was curious about uh, your background in baseball and how you arrived at, at the position you're at now. I mean, just – and we can start at the beginning. I mean, growing up, what first got you into baseball? Who did you follow? And then and then how did this path ultimately lead you to where you are now as, as coach at Tuskegee? Oh, for sure. Um, I started off at four, uh, Ricky. So I uh, played my, my, my little league baseball out of uh, Old National um, in College Park, Georgia. Uh, so it was pretty natural, man. It started in the backyard with my older brothers. Uh, they're, they're maybe 10 years older than me. So um, they passed all of their knowledge down to me and just kind of saw some of the natural movements and, and motions that I had involved in the game and just continued to develop me and became my coach. And um, it took off from there, man. I got an opportunity at at Tuskegee, I, well, I'll go back, man. I played my high school baseball at Mays High School um, in the APS school system, which I'm very proud of. Um, we had a lot of talent over there. And, and so to come out as, as one of the better players out of that program to go on to Tuskegee University on a scholarship was amazing. And um, it, it really stands and holds, it, holds its weight now that I look back uh, because it was some – great coaches that I had along the way that put a lot into me um, to be able to move on to the next level. So I, I, I thank those guys. And um, once I got the Tuskegee guys, I, to be honest, um, I never knew coaching was in the, the, the shadows of, of, of my future. I had, I had no idea. Um, you know, I was focused as a player as we all are at, at one point 
everyone wants to go pro and, you know, achieve those dreams. So that was my main focus. But uh, just to go into the, the story a little bit, my senior year, I was pulled aside by uh, the athletic director at the time. Um, and he just simply asked me a question. Hey, are you on track to graduate? Um, you know, and I said, yes, sir, I, I am. You know, what, what, what takes you to, you know, you're questioning. Uh, and he said, hey, I, I think you will be a great candidate um, to be an assistant coach for me one day soon. Would you be interested? So it, it really it really blindsided me, guys, uh, because it was during uh, the senior year uh, of my season. And so I'm focused on, you know, putting work in with my team and, and being the best we could be. And here I am getting this, you know, offer kind of before I get out the door. So, you know, I, I, I pursued, I told him I wanted to pursue my professional side. So I pursued that. That took me a little, a couple places. And uh, once, once that kind of dwindled down, guys, I took him up on the opportunity. So I started as an assistant under Montreza Kirby. And um, man, what, what, a, what, a, what a mentor for me. Uh, he really taught me the job, guys. Um, and I know sometimes we talk about on the field things, but there's a lot that comes with this, a lot of responsibility that comes with, you know, leading these young men um, in their in their adulthood, into their adulthood and finding out who they are as a person and uh, how to really shape and mold them into young men that will better uh, return seeds to our world. So that he taught me how to do that and I forever thank him for it. And, um, but really, man, he, he just motivated me to give my all and, um, you know, go into something that, you know, my heart was surrounding and that's returning us to, 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 to playing home games um, in, in, in Tuskegee. So when I took over the helm in, in 2015, that was at the forefront, um, you know, renovation project. We, we hustled, we bustled guys, we, we fundraised, um, we, we had donors, you know, we went out for donors and, and next thing, you know, our brand started to grow as we were winning more and, uh, it all just clicked and, and, and came together. And it seems like a blur now because here it is, boom, we're in a partnership with Atlanta Braves foundation, boom, Coca-Cola United's right there. And it's, it's like, wow, you know, you plant those seeds 10 something years ago. 10 odd years ago and, and to see them manifest, it's amazing. It's amazing. And, and so I know my guys have really been a true inspiration to me because they give me feedback and say, hey, coach, we watch you work day in and day out. We have no choice but to run through a wall for you. And to hear that from your guys, man, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. Yeah, that's exciting. Well, um, I can't imagine that uh, you said you guys have had some success here recently. I think I read that you had uh, first winning season in 13, 13 years. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we had our first winning season in, uh, that was 2016. That was okay. the, the, the spring right. of 2016. Absolutely, man. That was that was unreal because the season, when you're having fun, you know you guys, you're having fun, season flies. And uh, next thing you know, we look back and we're like, whoa, this is this is outstanding. <laughs> this is outstanding. Most wins. Um, you know, I think I think that was 2000, 2011 had been the last time that we had that winning season. Uh, so 
for me to take over to him and, you know, be able to lead the guys towards something like that, that was a huge accomplishment. That's outstanding, Coach. I, I, uh, man, I'm just fired up listening to you talk about uh, the, the program and the success and where, where you started and what, what you've grown it to. And I think that, that leads me into my next question. And this is something I know we've, we've Greg and I have talked with on Behind the Braves. We've talked with Hank Aaron about this. We've talked with Mark Grissom. We've talked uh, uh, Bob Kendrick from the Negro Leagues Museum earlier this year. Absolutely. It's something we, we've talked to a lot of guys about. And it's always something – I like to ask about because working in the baseball industry, I just, I want to know as an industry, what are things that we can be doing better to help grow the game in the African-American community? I mean, that's something that major league baseball has, has worked on. They've got the RBI program and it's something that we're all aware that, that we need to do a better job and we're make, trying to make strides. But in your opinion, what are some ways we as a baseball industry can help grow the game in the African-American community and ultimately have a higher percentage, a higher participation of African-Americans in professional baseball? Absolutely. Uh, great question. Uh, I, I really think to cut straight to it, uh, Ricky, I, I think something that's missing is our coaches clinics in the African-American community, um, because we often have African-American uh, players focus on the players. But who's coaching those guys? And if you can really get the development up front for the coaches corrected, I think we will be able to better. Uh, pan out more players at a higher rate, at, at a higher level, excuse me, um, as far as professional opportunities, collegiate opportunities. Um, I, I think the coaching and, and the guys that have, have made it, um, if we could kind of mesh those things um, and get back to our communities to actually put on coaching clinics to show them the correct pre practice structures, um, the correct way to to develop the players, um, things to watch, um, different drills that they can use for different uh, sectors or, or components of the game. Um, I think that would really be a major boost if, if Major League Baseball and our organizations within Major League Baseball could set those clinics up consistently. Yeah, that's one thing I love about Major League Baseball has you know, created uh, a program and I know that Marvin Freeman's involved in it, Marquise. Absolutely. And probably about seven, seven or eight Braves, former Braves that have been involved down at, uh, down near Jupiter, Dodger Town. And then we bring the top, I don't know, uh, 44 guys for the Hank Aaron Classic. Mm -hmm. We, we uh -huh. do play games. And I know that Marvin has raved about the talent that he's seen down there. I think we even – we haven't got a kid uh, that never – wasn't even noticed. He ended up getting drafted in the third round. Ricky, you may remember his name, but uh, that was probably a year or two ago with the Braves. And uh, so I know that we're doing a lot. I think the community aspect of it, and, and Reggie, I, I appreciate you seeing that because I know that as as an alumni here in Atlanta, with all the great, we've got over 65 alumni here. We have started talking about how do we expand our coaches' clinics and working when, uh, with our Growing the Game initiative with the Braves through the foundation, we, we have been recognizing that we've got potential programs that we can partner with um, and Absolutely. how do we expand that and really develop the coaches. Because ultimately, yeah, you can have a field, but if you don't have people showing you the game 
and you don't have people there that are showing up on a Tuesday night for Absolutely. and then there for Saturday. And of course you got to get parents involved and you got to get, you got to people to train those coaches. So uh, I agree with you. I think that's, uh, that's really important. I know that's something we've talked a lot about in our program. Absolutely. It, it's uh, Greg, if you don't mind, um, the 44 classic is, and it, that's amazing uh, what you mm. guys do. Cause out of the last three years, I've signed four kids out of there. Wow. And um, I may not have seen those kids if it were not, if it were not for that 44 classic. So uh, events like that, it's giving our kids an opportunity. And, and that's also what it's about putting on platforms and showcases to where they can be exposed a lot more um, because some of them lack exposure simply because, you know, they just may not have the means or the resources that others may have. And, and I think that's very important um, on bridging that gap. Yeah, well, that's great to hear because that's exactly what our intent is, is to, is to expose kids who have not had the opportunity, maybe because of whatever reason, they needed to get in front of scouts and get in front of coaches like yourself and, and, uh, and find places to play. And there again, you know, uh, Morehouse is another school, you know, Antonio, the coach down there and trying to get him involved and, and even just the schools in Atlanta, just to, um, just to be aware of the people that are around and, and who they can sign. And, and of course you're not too far away either. And it's just great. The kids have an opportunity. And then one of the things that's been kind of uh, on my heart about it is just the fact that the money available for school, not just through academics, but through athletics. And, and like I heard Morehouse had one scholarship and I'm thinking, how in the world can you have a baseball team? It's tough enough with 11 and a half that the NCAA gives us. But when you only have one, but you have the potential for 11 and a half, I mean, that's got to change too. Absolutely. And, and, and let me, let me give, Antonio his props right now because we're very we're very close and so Antonio does an amazing job over at Morehouse and he and I have very similar um, issues that we're dealing with with those scholarships because we're we only have two and so whereas he has one we have two we're also dealing with tuition costs that that kind of puts us out of the running so for for what he's done with that program it's it's amazing and um, he's he's a close friend of mine as well. And um, I, I, I tell you, Greg, um, I don't know how we do it sometimes. It's, it's <laughs> Me neither. Because like you say, if we're, we're facing guys with nine and 11.5 scholarships, how are we supposed to compete? And so that's another avenue that I think we could uh, help with, with some of our HBCUs as well, uh, figuring out ways to supplement uh, money and scholarship funding for these for these programs uh, because it, it's 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 a it's a definite uh, competitive advantage for the 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 guys that have nine and eleven point five. <laughs> you know we need to even the playing field a little bit. So, and and to follow up, Greg, on what you were referring to, there's Michael Harris out of Stockbridge High School. You played absolutely, Michael within the forty four classic, drafted in the third round, as you said. Uh, was played in the Braves RBI program and also in Marquise's and uh, Marquise Marquise Grissom Baseball Association. And I was thinking back uh, to when we talked to Marquise, and I had asked Marquise that same question about getting 
um, a, a better participation or a higher higher percentage of African-Americans playing baseball or just getting involved in the game. And I remember I was, I think it's been a while now, but I think I was coming at it from the, well, how do we get more African-Americans in the big leagues? And Marquise kind of said, you know, I'm not really training guys to get to the big leagues. I'm trying to raise men. I'm trying to turn boys into men. And that, that stuck with me and struck me because, you know, I think, again, working in big leagues, I, I, I'm so concentrated on the big league team and getting guys to the big leagues and everything and I had to kind of step back and say you know what that's that's the proper approach here it's like only a a finite amount of players from all over the world will ever make it to the top level of the pros but what we're really doing here what we should really be striving to do here is provide opportunities for young for, for boys to become to develop into great young men and to have opportunities for education and to better themselves for when they're done with school so to hear you talk about the work you're doing, I feel like that's that's exactly what Marquise was was preaching to us about is, is shaping young minds and turning them into into good adults, great adults that could go on to do great Absolutely. things. I just wanted to commend you for the work you're doing because it's uh, I just admire it so much. Well, thank you, Ricky. Thank you. Well, Reggie, it's been great visiting with you, and uh, we wish you all the best. And I know uh, at some point I'll probably be involved with with uh, the partnership that you got going on. So I look forward to coming out there and seeing that beautiful field and Absolutely. your team. And, and I know we've got some things cooking for uh, the spring right. and in the future for uh, potential HBCU teams playing here in Atlanta. So we look forward to that. Absolutely. And, uh, We're excited. And wish y'all the best. Yeah, wish y'all thanks, the best. Thanks, thanks, thanks a for lot, Thanks a lot. Well, hey, Ralph, um, appreciate you being on with us. Uh, It's always a a pleasure talking with you. You've been one of our great alumni. You've always been involved in everything that we do, and uh, so it's an honor to have you on. And uh, we're here celebrating HBCU night on Friday night here at the stadium, and we know you went to Grambling State. So we thought, who better could we have on than Ralph Gar talk about his experience at Grambling State and then – your experience in the minor leagues for uh, all the scouting you've done and, and all the things. But uh, tell us a little bit about um, what happened at Grambling State. I know you played there and had a great career, and, and you're in the Hall of Fame, right? Right. Yeah, tell us a little bit about Grambling State and what your experience was like there. Well, you know, it, when I was in high school, I was small, and so I, was, uh, I wasn't given a scholarship coming right out of high school. So – you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. I wasn't no great student in the thing, so I would probably just had to go to work. It was seven boys and one girl in my family, and so, and if you wouldn't want to sort a better book one where you had to go to work, but just thank God that uh, the I graduated from high school, Lincoln High School there in Ruston, Louisiana, and we had a summer team that would go up and play the college team up at, up at Gramlin at the university to keep to give them practice okay so coach ellis the guy that's really the that was the coach there for so many years that's still there now helping grounding to organize thing and help the baseball team right now is coach wilbert ellis he was my little league coach okay so he he asked president jones could he bring me up there and try out for the baseball team okay 
He said, yes, I was small. I probably was about five, eight, nine, about 165 or seven, about 160, 65 pounds. So I went up that Gremlin and I was small and everything. And I tried out for the baseball team and, and President Jones told him, said, well, uh, Coach Ellis, he's he a pretty good looking kid, but I don't know. I, I don't know if I don't know if he'll make it on our team. I don't know if he'll be good enough to make it on our team or not. So uh, I don't. I don't think. I don't think I'll. I don't think I'll have him here. So well, I appreciate you bringing him up here and trying him out and everything. So okay. So we got back together, Coach Ellis and I. We he said Ralph or uh, President Jones said, well, he didn't think he could make it baseball team. So I said, well, okay, folks. So in, in a way, we went back home, okay? But we had come up there and played a college team. Now, he done told me that I was too little, okay? So <laughs> back up there and played a college team. So we played the college team about three or four times, okay? So, and then we were we were working on them pretty good. We were working on them a little bit there in the late end and stuff, you know? So, I had about two hits the first game, maybe two hits the second game, a third game, and we were working on them like three to two in about the eighth or ninth inning. And President Jones said, well, uh, I don't, I, I think we need to stretch this thing out a little bit. Uh, <laughs> we need to play X men. We were tied up pretty good. So he said, we probably need to stretch out. So they end up beating us. And then after the thing was over, so uh, President Jones said, who was that little old bitty boy that was getting all them hits? Who was that little boy getting <laughs> like that? He said, well, he, Joe Jenner said, well, I started, said, President Jones, I brought him up here and you sent him home. He said, well, President, oh, he, he's a little boy I had down there that I didn't have on the team. And he just, he's, I just graduated out of high school and he was on my team and, and he, he played good. He said, well, you know, well, we might be able to try something. They had a program at Grandin in the summer. <laughs> President Jones would have all the kids to come in. They would give you a job. And you would try for the baseball team. And you would practice with the baseball team and do everything you're supposed to do. And you had a job. And at the end of the, of the summer, if you had a job, you had earned enough money to enroll in school if you didn't make the baseball team. Okay. But if you made the baseball team and the money you had would, would go to you, you know what I'm saying? So, so I tried out in the summer and everything. And so I up there playing with Fred and I did, did pretty good. And everybody wanted me to work with them. You know, the ground crew that I worked with, everybody wanted Ralph Carter to work with them. Okay. So President then, so I went in and I had a good summer. And then he, he called me, Coach Ellis called me into the office. You know, he said, well, Ralph, uh, uh, President Jones wants you to go down there and talk to uh, uh, Coach Robinson. That's Eddie Robinson, the baseball coach. He was a scout, the athletic director. See, me and him had had a little run-in before that with with, President, with uh, Coach Eddie Robinson down in Ruston. Grandma was down there playing baseball, and I had my partners with me. And with Prez had, I missed it, Coach Robinson had the baseball players. They would get all the five balls, okay? So me and my boys, we was outside, and we'd run a relay. 
And then I, I probably, we probably got about seven, eight new baseball. And I came in the ballpark and, and told Coach Robinson, where are you from with them baseball? He said, where you get them ball for? He said, I said, no, we, we got these balls. He said, well, you might want to come to Grandma one day. I said, I don't want to come to Grandma. I don't want to play no baseball like that. Ain't so me and him started right after that. So, so I, and then that summer I came up that right, I did all that talk. Went right on the ground, and then he, I went in his office, and he gave me some papers. I said, he said, he said boy, he said, son, you, you, you take these papers down to your mother and father and tell them to sign them. He didn't even tell me what it was, really. You know what I'm saying? He said, you just take them papers down there that your mother and father signed, and you bring them back to me. I said, yes, sir. So I took the paper down to my mother and father, and they signed them and everything and everything. And then when I come back, he told me I'd been granted a scholarship to Gramlin College. So nice. And 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 it's been fun ever since. I never enjoyed so much of a of a man and President Jones and Coach Ellis still there, who was so good to me. And it was a guy named Curtis Mayfield that was in the semi-pro ball that really helped me a great deal and I was small. So I had so much help. And then I was able to then, Coach Robinson was able to give me the scholarship there and I was able to start at Grambling. And that was and and it's just a blessing because I wasn't really a very good student but I would work hard and, and I would, most of the time I graduated from college though because I was I would do what people wanted me to do, and I would work hard to try to make the best. That's me. I say, if I can go to college, anybody will be able to go to college. So I've always made that pretty simple. Like, but I went up to Gramlin and coach and President Jones. One thing he stressed that now, if you came to Gramlin and played baseball, they stressed the education first. It, it was a wonderful program, and that program was was an excellent program where you come down and work, and if you was a good student, you'd earn enough to go in school, and you would keep jobs and work yourself all the way through school. So it was a great program. And for me to run the baseball team and me from Ruston about three miles away where not too many players came from Ruston and Gramlin around in that area and, and played on Gramlin team. And that was one of the things that helped a lot. And then after I got to play there, they got about four or five or six better players that came from Ruston around now. A guy named Jeffrey Brown, Signed with the Cubs, Matt Alexander and all. They started signing guys from around close then. And so, you know, and I just, all of my time at Gremlin had been beautiful. And, it, and so many people helped me there at Gremlin. I enjoyed it so very much. And it's so wonderful to be a part of Gremlin State University. Mm. Now. Mm. Well, Ralph, when you were at Grambling State, how – when did you first start getting the sense that you might be drafted uh, to play professionally? How long into your career at Grambling did, did you start to realize, hey, I, I might get drafted and, and become a professional ball player once I'm done at Grambling State? Well, I, I, I didn't never – well, see, they had a lot of scots at Grambling's team, but I was small, you know, but I could run and I could hit pretty good, you know. So, so you know, I, I was always watching them and everybody would get drafted didn't go. I was. I didn't say too much. So my. I think my first year I hit about. I don't know. Maybe two fifty or three hundred or something. No, maybe two forty, two fifty because I didn't play it much. But my sophomore year, I think I hit about three hundred. Then my junior year, I hit over three hundred. And then my senior year, I hit five hundred. Okay. So I didn't really. 
you know, I said, well, as a senior, well, nobody didn't want me as a junior. And I hit, I think, 300 and some, and then I hit 500 and some as a senior. And, and really, nobody really talked to me a whole lot then. And then we went to uh, St. Joseph, Missouri, and I hit well up there and made all tournament up there and everything. And then when we come back to Bamden and stuff, so, you know, you know, I didn't really know. And then, but we had a good, good uh, athletic program. Well, our publicity, College A. Nicholson, they gave us good publicity. They, they gave me a lot of publicity because I think I led the nation in hitting, but it wasn't recognized too much. You know what I'm saying? So I said, I can't gripe about that too much. So, but I, he would always, as all public, publicize how good I was, how much I was eating, I was leading the nation in hitting and all this, but you know, that, that went only so far, but I thank God that what really happened the way I happened to get drafted and into major league baseball, I have a story for that. It was a guy named Clint Courtney. Him and Mr. Paul Richards worked for the Braves at like uh, Lou Fitzgerald and Eddie Hart and all them guys, a lot of baseball men. I was looking at uh, at the Houston coach here the other day. They had a breaking when they first built that Astrodome. Mr. Paul Richards was one of the guys there that uh, broke the dirt to build the Astrodome, you know. So I looked and saw him. That, that was a smile on my face. So anyway, so everybody was was talking about it was a, a a left hand pitcher Jimmy Jackson he was from Ruston he was a he was a left hand pitcher a guy named Ben William he was a catcher and, and Jeffrey Brown was a pitcher they had a guy named Frank Patterson and and, and uh Matt Alexander and Michael Cummins they was all all of us a good ball player but I, I was a pretty good hitter so anyway the way I got drafted what happened Mr Paul Richard told uh, he was they was over somewhere in Cachetta or someplace, and Mr. Richard and Paul, Mr. Paul Richard and and and, and at least Clint Carter stayed in Cachetta, and he was in Cachetta. Okay, so Mr. Paul Richard called Clint. He said, "Clint, them boys, them boys playing some balls down there at Gremlin." And they said they got some good baseball players down there on that team. And I want you to go down now and see if you like him, one of them. And you know, I mean, if you like one of them, we'll see if I find a sign a couple of them. What you think? He said, oh, yeah, Rich, I'll go down there. I don't mind going. You know, him being from Cachada down there, he ready, you know. So he come down there and we, we, playing, we playing some team, I think. I don't know. Anyway, I wet them over pretty good. I think I was like. 10 for 13 or 12 with six triples, five triples or something and everything. So, and I was running and doing good and everything. I was hustling. President. We had a good team. All of them guys was good. They, they'd just come watch us take infield. So anyway, so after the, after uh, Clint Carter had came down there and he told Mr. Rich, they was told to look at the third baseman and so look at the shortstop and they didn't really say the second baseman too much, okay? Then they said it was a right fielder, and then Jimmy Jackson and Ben Williams behind the plate. Now, he told Clint Cardinal, look at all them guys, okay? And then when Clint Cardinal went back to talk to Mr. Richard to give him the report on what his scouting reports are on the bathroom ground, he said, yeah, Rich, they had some pretty good players down there that were pretty good. He said, but 
that that third baby, I don't care too much about him. I don't know. And Charles Stopper, he's a pretty good little player. And that pitcher, that buck boy, he might have a little chance and stuff. But, you know, I don't know if what he's going to do. But, Rich, I don't know. And then that big that big right tiller, he's got some power, Rich, but he's probably going to have some hope. But he's a big power type guy. He, and he seemed like he's okay. He said, but let me tell you this, Rich. He said, you can take the third baby and the catch it, all of them. He said, you can take all of them that you want. You just give me that damn little old bitty ass second baby and I'll take him. Okay? <laughs> so, so, anyway, Mr. Paul Richard, Mr. Paul Richard told Clint Carter, he said, okay, he's going to give him to me. Okay, now here I am, a senior. Now, what I'm saying. And so, Mr. Paul Richard told him, say, he's going to give him to me. Okay? They drafted me in the third round. So, so it wasn't no. Well, no, I ain't going to set up and tell no phony about them. You know, they wasn't playing. You know what I'm saying? So M- M- Mr. Richard said, he said, well, Rich, he said, well, I'm going to give you that boy. And so anyway, they drafted me in the third round. And then Mr. Richard and them came, got me. Then I went up to the big league and saw Hank Aaron and all this and all this. And then when I come to Springfield, so when I signed as a senior, I went straight from A, I went straight from, from Grambling to double-A baseball. I went straight to double-A. Okay, so. And Clint, where, where was that, Ralph? Where was he double-A? told Mr. Richard. It, Mr. Paul Rich told that boy going to play the big league. damn right, Mr. Richard. That boy don't play in the big league. You watch what I tell you. And he go play second base. Okay, so I went up there. Man, I was playing second base. I must have made Six or seven years, a guy ran over me, man. I fell for 30 days, man. Like to kill me, man. So, Mr. Paul Rich, Mr. After the, after the series up there, Mr. Uh, take time to call Mr. Richard. Mr. Richard, I don't, I don't know if he's going to play second base, but that young going to show play in the big league. Say. And then they put me in the art field, and it's been in history ever since. And I've enjoyed every moment of it. And then a guy named Herb Killer. One of the best human beings you ever want to meet in your life as far as helping develop ball player. He was mm-hmm. baseball player, baseball. He was a fabulous baseball man. And mm-hmm. I started playing for him and playing in the Braves organization. Mm-hmm. Well, Ralph, you've seen uh, a ton of baseball over the years. You've worked with us in our organization as a scout for how many years now? Just about 45 years. With with That's a now, I, let me tell you, I wouldn't trade nothing for it. I'm talking yeah. about because uh, <clears throat> Mr. Aaron and Paul Snyder, the one gave me the job. So, you know, they, well, when you have them kind of guys to put their name on you, you sort of want to make them feel that they made a good choice. And that's one of the main reasons I worked so hard to try to do what I can do to upstand and, and played hard when I met Mr. Aaron because he didn't give you no whole lot of uh advice on do this and do that. He would just wanted you, he always felt that you squint your squint and don't take away from your squint and to work on your weaknesses, but squint your squint and play your squint all the time. Mm-hmm. Whatever you did to get you here, that's what's going to keep you here. So, mm-hmm. but, so that, after that advice and he would, he let me room with my, I, I, you know, this has been a dream world. In the same year that I signed, Dusty Baker and I signed together. And he was from California, and I was from Louisiana. So you know that was a heck of a combination, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we ended up grinding together, and me and him just like brothers right now. He's here managing these Astros. Just a gift from God, man, because he's a wonderful human being. And I'm so glad 
Mr. Crane has really given him the opportunity to do because he's a baseball man, but uh, he's a wonderful human being and he's good for baseball. But I'm going well, off on that subject, but except I really, he really encouraged me a lot too. And his comp- competing against me helped to make me a better ball player. Yeah. Well, let's fast forward to uh, what we've got going on. The Braves organization has been really um, focused on helping develop uh, some of the areas of racial inequality as it relates to our sport. So giving opportunity in the inner city for some young African-American kids through our RBI program, as well as the historically black college and universities we've partnered with. And we just had a coach on a uh, young man you'd love. You may, I don't know if you know Reggie Hollins, but he's at Tuskegee. Yeah. And um, so I'm curious from you, uh, as we roll into HBCU night here, um, what are you seeing or have you seen over the years on the ground? Because we've seen a decline in young black players in the sport. But what are you seeing from kind of the resurgence of what Major League Baseball has done here recently to help kind of promote that, to bring, to bring that participation back up? I have to give them credit. We we just got to get in there, and I, I, everywhere I go now, well, it's it's just it's just quite a few more black ball players that are playing. But you can't. They it's not going to be given. You got to earn it. You know what I'm saying? So I feel that baseball, the opportunities are here, but you got to be willing to get in there and earn the right to play the game of baseball. And I don't feel that we've changed none of that. But it's quite a few. Uh, young black men that are playing the game of baseball, and I don't really think we to the point that we want nobody to give us nothing, but if you give us an opportunity, I think we should be able to take advantage of it, I think. And so, uh, me, I work for the Braves, and, and the Braves have always let me, I've always been over the Southwest Athletic Conference at Grambling and all that. And see, when I was coming up, so it, I can't really right a whole lot, but I'm just hoping that the players that's coming along now would really just work hard to let them know that they're playing the best that they can play and doing the best that they can to be able to play in the major league. That Lewis kid, they got quite a few kids that's in the league that are really good baseball players. And so it's sort of coming together pretty good in Major League Baseball. Now, I don't want to set up and talk about it and try to just because they've been good to me and my family and some other people, but I think Major League Baseball has tried hard to try to give everybody a decent opportunity. So, and if they, you know, we I can't throw nothing on them except we just have to work hard together and in the lower league of baseball and a lot of our kids play more football and basketball than they do baseball. So, and that makes it a little tough. And then you have these Latin guys where they don't have drafts and stuff, and it's hard to compete against that. You know what I'm saying? So just being a realist, you just got to get in there and fight like the devil and make the best of any type situation. That's all you can basically do. Mm. But league baseball have been, like I said, the Braves, and they, I've been over to Southwest Athletic Conference, and they told me I can go to any tournament, anything, as long as I've been with the Braves. So, and then Henry Aaron Hyatt and Hank Aaron saw him work with us. Me and him go in them areas trying to find kids. He done signed a couple of kids. So we have to really, for me, you're talking to Ralph Gall, I just think you need to get in here and fight like the devil and, and, and earn the right to play the game of baseball. And I don't think nobody won't know. I don't think the young ball, ball players that play now want nobody to give them nothing, but they want a good opportunity. And the platform has gotten a little better, and I thank God for that. 
and we hope mm-hmm. they're a lot better in the future. But we, it takes a good quality baseball player to play in the big league, and that should be fair, white, black, blue, or orange. It doesn't matter about color. It's about a good baseball player is what we need to do. This black and white, this, this, we all human beings. Let's just get in there fighting the best man win. That's all we can do. Mm. Amen to that. Ralph, I have to ask you because you have one of my favorite nicknames ever in the history of baseball, the Roadrunner. So I'm just <laughs> curious. I just want to hear, do you remember how that, the, how you earned that nickname and who gave it to you? Because it, it's, it's, I, I love the history of the game and I love, love nicknames and Roadrunner is up there for my all-time favorite. So I'm just curious how that, how you got that nickname. Well, there was a guy in the public relationship, really, in the public relations officer named Bob Hope. He called Disney and asked them. I ain't joking. I, that's a patent. If you look back over, that's a patent. He put the roadrunner, that roadrunner name. See, when I first come out of the mountain league, I stole six or some days, and I was, I was running like a rabbit. You know what I'm saying? So when I first came to the big league, they, you know, you know, they said that roadrunner was a big thing. But, you know, what slowed that roadrunner down with that third hitter named Mr. Henry Aaron, you know. <laughs> you know, so so when I came to the big league the first couple of years, they let that little road runner go, man. That road runner was smoking. It was a big thing. A lot of kids now. Everybody called me wanting to appreciate that road runner. And I'm so glad that was that was stamped on me. In my first year in Major League Baseball, and I'm not I, I think I would trade I think I would have been rookie of the year if I hadn't had a little more time coming up at the end of the season. I think I'd have had a good chance to be Rook of the Year. But I didn't get Rook of the Year. But what happened, I came up at the end of every year, and I really played nine years and something, but the coming up at the end of them years gave me ten years. And it's a big difference between ten years on the major league and the year between nine and a half years. You know what I'm saying? So – uh, they gave me that road run, and it's a patent thing. It was patent. And nobody, it wasn't just a flip name. It's it's patent. And and, and uh, Warner Brothers uh, gave the brave the right to it, and that's the way I got to be the road run. And I loved it. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, um, you know, Ralph, I was looking back at your career, some of your stats, and what I was shocked at was in 1974 you were an All Star and you were 12th in the MVP voting that year. And I'm thinking, how in the world? I mean, you led, you beat everybody by like 50 points in batting average, and you uh, led the league in triples. And I looked through and, and looked it through. I don't know how they calculated the MVP that year, but I was baffled when I looked at where Schmidt was and where Ron Say. Ron Say, I think, ended up getting MVP. And I was looking at your numbers and – and Lou Brock and some of these other ones, but what a great year. What, what strikes you from that year in 1973? Um, Cause you had an unbelievable year. Well, you know, it was in 74. Well, you know, I think everybody worried about Hank Aaron then. They were just throwing me fastballs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I was just, and I was hitting them and running. You know what I'm saying? I, I didn't really, you know, I, it, I didn't really have time for much negative. All I was looking at, Henry Aaron didn't believe in negative. He, he, mm-hmm. If you was going to be ne- negative around Mr. Aaron, you were wasting time. He he didn't believe in that. He he believed in work. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, and I and I looked up to him and Dusty Baker, boy, if, if you look back over, I think in 73, I think he was, I was second in the league and I think Dusty Baker was third in the league. So, you know, he, he and I and Mr. Aaron and them and playing for them Braves, and it just 
I wasn't worried about the MVP. I was just happy to be able to to play in the major league and compete against the good baseball players in which I competed against. That's excellent. Well, and that, that kind of leads me into, I was looking back at your career and looking through things, and I looked at, you know, you being in the Braves Hall of Fame and not just being in the Braves Hall of Fame, but being one of the early inductees in the Hall of Fame and, you know, we're the longest continuously operating franchise in baseball. And I just wanted to know, what did that mean to you to be uh, inducted into the Braves Hall of Fame? Because, I mean, it's it's the history of our franchise. It's, uh, you know, only the best of the best that ever played here get to be in there. And just what do, what was that like for you to be inducted into the team Hall of Fame? But it's just like the Cooperstown Hall of Fame to me. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to. I know I'm in that too because I'm on that on that on that uh, on that uh, lineup that Mr. Aaron. I, you know they put that 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 uh, lineup in the Hall of Fame. So I'm in the Hall of Fame up there too. But I wouldn't I wouldn't take nothing for the Brave Hall of Fame. And and they and they and I didn't know I didn't. I, they don't appreciate me being in the Hall of Fame. They appreciate me as a person that worked for the Braves and represents the Braves organization. There, I, I can't I can't say enough about Mr. Aaron and the Braves organization and Mr. Paul Snyder and all the wonderful people. That's when I try to overlook all the negatives and work hard to try to do what I can to keep the Braves going. And these young kids, like when I go to spring training, them kids be glad to see me. I be glad to see them. And they work hard. And we have a wonderful organization. And that Ian Anderson is throwing that ball good. I remember when we drafted him. Him and that big Muller boy out of uh, Texas with two big pitches that I think if Muller happened to come around, Muller come around with Anderson's ball, it would make a big difference for us because that Muller got a good arm. You know what I'm saying? He's a good-looking kid too. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 would, I love the Braves. I, I love the Braves Hall of Fame. That's all. <laughs> and so that's what I enjoy doing. Well, hey, uh, Ralph, my last question for you is um, we I've all I've been around you for many years and you've always been just like you said, you're always super positive and you're always pro Braves. You love what, what the organization's doing. And I know we just as an organization, we have good people here and you're one of those guys. And I appreciate that. And I heard that uh, we're potentially going to um, create a. Uh, an event next spring called the uh, Bill Lucas or Ralph Gar Bill Lucas Baseball Classic, and it's going the first year is going to be Grambling State versus FAMU. And so I wanted to just hear you comment about that because to me that's a great honor, um, and, it, and it's it's named appropriately after two great legends. And uh, just did you ever think that your your team would be playing uh, potentially at uh, Truist Park? Well, remember now, uh, uh, remember now, uh, we played the Braves, Braves in Shreveport, Grambling did in Shreveport. So, and then Mr. Mr. Wine, uh, uh, the owner of the of the Yankees, you know, they came down to Grambling too. So, Grambling has been on the map for 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 a long time, and these these kind of things just thrills your heart, boy. Just it might makes you want to cry, but just name it the Bill Lucas Ralph God Classic. Let me tell you, God knows, boy. I was, <laughs> it's just something. Well, I'll never forget it as long as I live. But I'm glad that they think enough of me and Mr. Lucas. Mr. Lucas was a wonderful general manager and a wonderful human being too. Mm-hmm. So 
favorite to Bill Lucas and Ralph Gar classic. It was just three of my heart. And I know the Braves will do what they can do to try to make it happen. And if they do, I'll be so glad to be a part of it. Well, it, it's uh, it's named appropriately, and we look forward to that. And hopefully, you'll be out uh, when we when we make that happen. You'll be out there to uh, to root on your team. And we appreciate you so much coming on behind the Braves, and loved hearing your stories, and uh, love visiting with you. Talk about uh, your college days. So uh, thanks for coming on, Ralph. Good talking with you. God bless you and your families, and y'all be safe and go Braves. Thank you so much, Ralph. Our thanks again to Coach Reggie Hollins and Braves Hall of Famer Ralph Gar for joining us here on Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed. Okay, we, we told the folks in the intro, uh, we teased it a little bit. You had a, another note about, or another tidbit about uh, Ralph's nickname, Roadrunner. So what, because uh, I haven't heard this either, so I'm, I'm interested. What is it? Yeah, so Ralph said that Bob Hope actually wrote to Warner Brothers and asked if they could use um, the likeness of the, the image of the Roadrunner. So they built uh, a, a actual Roadrunner in the stands uh, for Ralph Gard. And every time he came up, they would play the beep, 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 beep. You know, that was the famous Roadrunner thing. And so uh, I'm, I'm sure they, they got the rights to use the image and, and the sound from the, if you remember, of course, you know, I'm, I'm old. So I remember watching uh, the Roadrunner and the Coyote um, in Looney Tunes and all that kind of stuff. And so there was a whole music and there was this, you know, kind of a theme to it. But then there was also the famous beep beep, you know, the roadrunner going by the Coyote. And so they were able to use that because Bob Hope, he went on to start uh, Hope Beckham, which was a, an ad agency. So he was real creative. And so I don't, I don't put it past him that he, he got, he somehow finagled a way to be able to use that for Ralph. And it sounded like it really impacted him and, and he got a kick out of it, but that was something that they actually had in the stadium. That was kind of cool. That's awesome. Yeah. It's nicknames and that kind of stuff, you know, if, if it kind of happens organically and then the powers that be are able to take that and run with it and really expand on it um, in ways like Bob Hope did, then that's, that's when they, uh, they work the best, I think. So you know, it's like I think about like when Evan Gaddis was here and he was El Oso Blanco and That's then right. it was all the marketing stuff they did with that or or even somebody like Charlie Culberson. I mean, the, I see people all the time wearing Charlie Clutch, you know, wearing those shirts and that that kind of thing. So, um, hey, even on Twitter a few night or a week or two ago, uh, when Adam Duvall hit that walk off, our caption on uh, the video of him hitting the walk-off was that's Duvall folks. So, you know, there's a little, that's, that was Warner brothers, right? Wasn't that how the, the Warner brothers? Yes. Went? Okay. Well, there you yeah. Go. That was a uh, pork, when it porky pig or something. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Elmer Fudd, Elmer Fudd or porky pig. Or Michigan J frog. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. What yeah, that's right. Okay, well, this has been Ricky and Craig, the site Warner Brothers cartoon that they remember. <laughs> hey, I listened. I hope you all enjoyed uh, this episode as much as we did. Uh, it was great to talk with two, these two great baseball men who are out there doing the doing great things in the baseball world. So uh, we appreciate their time, and we appreciate you listening and rating, reviewing, subscribing uh, behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed and uh, Greg. I, I we won't uh, I won't spoil it, but um, I, I know you're working on another guest next week. That's uh, 
It's a pretty darn big name in uh, in Braves country, so uh, we won't spoil it. But we're looking forward to that. And uh, hey, the the Braves uh, are on on the field. They're they're pretty hot right now in first place, and uh, we're trying to stay hot here on the podcast too, and have a have a great season. So uh, thank you to everybody for listening. For Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. Hey, Braves country. We just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe Behind the Braves presented by Billy Reed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Braves.com slash Behind the Braves, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. Behind the Braves.